You're listening to The Cultured Podcast, a weekly conversation hosted by me, Michelle Corey, that breaks down the barriers surrounding art, theater, travel, and more to serve a digestible dose of culture for all. Where you are listening to another episode of the Cultured Podcast. Wait, that's this world. Hi, guys. <laughs> it's Michelle. And we are here again. We're talking about art on this episode of the Cultured Podcast. And I cannot wait to introduce you to the one, the only, Hannah Pierman. She is known as Hannah and the Cosmos, which is a very nice tie-in to our inspiration. Just a little teaser for you. Anyway, Hannah's on the show today because she works with fluid acrylics, and her art is unlike anything you've ever seen, I can almost guarantee you. She's based here in Atlanta, Georgia, also known as Georgia, if you speak regular English. (laughs) And her art, it can be seen in coffee shops all over the place. It can be seen in my dreams and in my heart and in my soul and in my spirit. Anyway, you get the point. I'm a huge fan. So I can't wait to talk to her about her methods, the tools that she uses, and how how working with fluid acrylics is so different from other forms of painting, like with oils or with regular acrylics. We're going to ask her how to differentiate these terms, okay? Because I'm on the same page that you are. But first, and as always, what is inspiring me this week? I gave you a little teaser earlier, and that's because the universe is inspiring me this week. The cosmos. And it is no coincidence that we are with Hannah and the Cosmos with this episode. I'm constantly in awe of the universe around us. And I've talked in previous episodes about how I'm reading this book called The Elegant Universe. And if you're asking yourself, "Um, Michelle, are you seriously still reading that book? Then my answer is, you go try to get through a book about quantum physics in like two months. It's not easy, okay? And I'm also reading Sapiens at the same time. So anyway, juggling some really big, heavy topics at the same time. But what I've learned is that there is this elegance to the way that the universe operates. Everything has this shocking purpose that is in tandem with every other purpose of every other thing on this universe. Every particle, every atom, even in its most chaotic, forms this elegant symphony that ends up becoming mass and matter and all of the physical things that we're able to build in our surroundings. And that to me is awe-inspiring. And as much as I try to wrap my head around all of the things around us and try to find meaning in everything that swirls around us that seems so perfectly synchronized. The bottom line is I don't know how it can all happen with such elegance and purpose. And frankly, neither do some of the most brilliant minds in all human history. And that's got to tell you something. A, humility, because humans are these itty bitty little things and we can't possibly try to understand the cosmos. And B, freaking magical. I believe in magic. How can you not when you read about quantum physics? How can you not when you read about how humans have evolved, like in the book Sapiens? It's really awe-inspiring. And I know that our guest today, Hannah, has a thing or two to say about that. So let's jump right into it. Everybody, it's time to talk to Hannah. Hello, Hannah. Hello. Good job not laughing. (laughs) It was hot. (laughs) 
It was really hard. That was good. That was a great intro. For people who are not aware, I actually record my intros sitting in front of my guests, and a lot of times they end up giggling, which causes me to have to retake or whatever, so you did a good job. So you live in Atlanta, Georgia, and how long have you been painting for? Oh gosh, since I could hold a paintbrush in my hand. And was that in the womb or outside of the womb? Thankfully for my mother, I came out without a paintbrush. Mm, Yeah. I'm really curious about your process, but I don't want to jump right into it. So tell us a little bit about, I know that you wanted to be a marine biologist. That was like your (laughs) your dream growing up. And you do pull on a lot of themes about water as much as you do about the universe. So tell us about the progression from wanting to be a marine biologist to deciding to pursue a career in the arts. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I think I've always sort of had this fascination with these big, sprawling, uh, sort of incomprehensible components of our universe, just like you were talking about in your intro. It's it's pure magic, and I think uh, the ocean is is really our, our outer space here on Earth, and extraordinary things are, are happening down there, and so much that we don't even know yet. And from a young age, the ways I've, I've kind of wrapped my head around the world and my place in it, and sort of come to terms with the bigness of everything, is either through art or through sort of understanding the natural world. And I think in my, in my artwork now, those things really come together. But at a young age, I, I have a, a incredible parents who I love very, very much. And I, my father is extremely intelligent and very curious and I get a lot of those qualities from him. We spent a lot of time, um, obviously growing up in New Zealand, the ocean is all around us. It's a very small country and sub-Antarctic, so very close to like a lot of natural, beautiful scenery. And the ocean was just always there. We visited all of the time. And at the same time, we spent a lot of time looking up at the sky, at the stars and stargazing. and. I just really, I got a lot of of that from him, sort of that desire to understand what this is that we're a part of. And now, you know, art kind of carried me in a different direction at some point, but I think I'm sort of always on that quest to understand. And I think my artwork and my creativity is, is an outlet for that. Maybe now it's more of an emotional one. It gives me more perspective on my place in the natural world versus sort of just what the mechanics are of that. So there's like so much I want to explore there. (laughs) I also just love how you call the ocean sort of our earthbound cosmos. Mm -hmm. It's so true and there's so much that we don't know about it. And also how you said bigness is sort of incomprehensible. And yet our planet is so tiny. So it really depends on what you're relating to it. That also messes with my brain constantly. Oh, blows my mind. Yeah. <laughs> right? I'm like, sure. The tininess of our bigness. What? I know. <laughs> Implosion. Yeah, we're done. <laughs> so let's go back to your upbringing in New Zealand because that influences, I feel it influence your art a lot. You know, because now you're in landlocked Atlanta mm-hmm. and in a big city so stars are even a rarity here. So did you grow up in a big city there or a smaller town? I was born at the very bottom of New Zealand in a place called Invercargill which is very sparsely populated. The whole country is. There's actually less people in the entire country of New Zealand than Metro Atlanta. What? Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> so uh, yeah, it's about the size of California, I suppose. So yeah, sparsely populated. I, I was born on the very southern tip, and then I grew up sort of in the middle of the South Island, um, a little bit further up, but still very isolated from the rest of the world, very small cities. So that gives you an opportunity to actually become more in tune with the natural world. Sometimes humans in a densely populated area, we can be distractions from all of that connection. And it, there's something really powerful about connecting with nature. So did you start painting natural scenes or what What was your art themed at the beginning? Yeah, I think uh, sort of all through college, et cetera, everything was always very abstract. I think I've always tended towards that abstract expressionism. That's always just been the way I've kind of put everything down on paper when it's come out of me. So, But that being said, I did have a, a phase where I was a, a photographer for a long time. I picked up photography. Um, I actually majored in drawing, so I've done a lot of, of drawing. And I did draw a lot of landscapes. And, and now even when I need a little break from the painting, I'll draw a landscape of home. So that is definitely something I've done a lot of, yes. So you've been in Atlanta for 11 years now. Correct. Do you miss New Zealand? Do you visit often? I miss it every second of every day. Oh my god. <laughs> but you know what? Like that that does sound like kind of sad and in some ways it is, but the texture of that missing feeling or that pining feeling has changed over time. And there is such a contrast between a place like New Zealand and Atlanta, but I feel so lucky to get to experience that contrast at all. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people don't get that. And New Zealand is extraordinarily beautiful and, and you are just engulfed in this incredible scenery and this beautiful natural world that you don't see anywhere else. But also you're very far away from experiences like the ones you might have in Atlanta. New Zealand is not as diverse. The cultures are different. Um, and there's just a lot, of, there's a lot of contrast there. And I'm, I'm appreciative mm. of all of the time I've had in Atlanta so it's almost like two things happening at once where I'm extremely thankful for the time I've gotten to spend in the United States I it's my second home I love it so much and at the same time I miss I miss my home it's very much a part of me all of the time and I try to to hold on to it and and keep it in my work wherever I can. That's beautiful. And, you know, this word contrast and your work has so much of it. Since I started following you, let's say a year and a half ago or whatever it's been, your work has this incredible mix of blues and greens and purples. And it's just so rich with those. And, you know, the white, you use white really well. But recently you've started incorporating orange and crimson. <laughs> I mean, this red that just shouts at you and it works. It's so jarring and in almost a romantic way. It's Ooh. a weird way to put it, but there's a romance to it. So let's now talk about the fluidity of it. So you use fluid acrylics. Will you tell us what that means? Absolutely. It's a very experimental process. It takes a different path every time I start a painting. I work primarily in acrylics and I work in some sort of sorts of uh, alcohol inks and some other types of things that create really cool effects. I work with varying viscosities of paints so some I'll try you know a little bit thicker I mix in water and things like a pouring medium which is a really resiny sort of substance which helps the colors sort of converse and pull together without becoming muddy. So when did you start with this style? So yeah that's a good question I actually started with this style gosh three years now. Prior to that, I worked primarily in oils, actually, and that was what a lot of what I did. Wow. Yeah, I know. It's what a lot of what I did and, and sort of 
perfected and really honed my skill set with during college and, and a long time after. And I just, I never really found a voice with it. And I think mm. I admire oil painters so much. I think that they have a level of patience that's saintly. I don't know that I have that. And I think uh, the thing that frustrated me sometimes about painting in oils was that nothing ever felt truly finished. Like you can rework an oil painting for a long time before it cures. And I think it just felt so open-ended to me all of the mm. time. And I think that's why I never found myself in it. And I had dabbled in a lot of different things, but I found this style of painting about, uh, yeah, right on two to three years ago. I had a relationship that was really important to me. And that was a really challenging time emotionally. And I went through like a period, like a dark period of heartbreak. And I think we all have those at some point in our life and right. we find our ways to deal with them. And at that time... All that really felt good was color. So I used them, all of them, and <laughs> with reckless abandon. And I sloshed them everywhere and it felt great. And in the midst of that, I, I really realized that because the acrylics dry faster and because I was just kind of taking a very organic approach to this new style um, of abstraction, it was not sort of planned out or thought out. I would think about the colors, but other than that, I would just kind of pour it all around and then let gravity and good intentions kind of bring me to a place of of satisfaction with a piece and now it's a little different but back then there was so much value in that exercise of just letting go Mm. and trusting that something beautiful would emerge and it's funny that you say letting go because what I kept thinking and what I wanted to ask you eventually was you know is that your personality because with these fluid acrylics there is a sense of not being in control like you let go of them and they find their place and you can guide them, I'm sure. But there is a sense of not being in control and having to be OK with that. I can imagine. Exactly. That's the crux of it completely. During that that dark period, I felt really out of control of what was happening and mm. I wanted to get better at letting go and just not being in control and being okay with that and my artwork and this style really became a repeated exercise in that for me. Was that uncomfortable for you at first or is that a natural part of your personality to be okay with relinquishing that control? So I think in the case of of sort of how this style of artwork came about for me, that case of that that challenging heartbreak, I'm a very uh, loving and empathetic person. Mm -hmm. So and within the framework of a relationship, I can it can be ch- challenging for me to to feel out of control, and and that was really hard at that time. But I realized that that was something I needed to get better at. So it was uncomfortable initially, but it has become so much easier. Like I, it really has. Do you feel like your artwork has helped facilitate that evolution, or that you've evolved in tandem with your artwork in that sense? That's a really good question. I think that my artwork is a lot to thank for it. I didn't have this intense of a creative outlet before I dabbled in a lot of different things, but it wasn't as central to my life as it is now, and I didn't repeatedly go back to it for reminders and and the knowledge that it really provides me with every time. And I learn something new about myself and about the world. Whenever I start a painting, I learn to accept frustration and something not working out the way I want it to. So I think... 
I think, yeah, I have my artwork to thank a lot for how much I've evolved. You know, and you kill it on Instagram. I mean, your Instagram account, you do so well because I talk to artists all the time because, you know, I have this marketing consulting business and I focus on arts and culture. And I get artists who come to me a lot who are like, I think I create really nice art. I just don't know how to showcase it properly on social. And it really is an art form within itself to showcase your art and to give it the proper stage on social media. And you do such a good job of it. And you also have this brand, Hannah and the Cosmos, you know, so I'm curious about the evolution of that because your work really does evoke celestial or cosmic imagery. Is that something that it reminded you of from the very beginning? Or how did that, how did you evolve into Hannah and the Cosmos? I started the painting and it looked like a galaxy. So that is where Hannah and the Cosmos came from. But it's really interesting that you mentioned kind of how that all came to pass because so I think the reason that this style has been successful for me is that it is unapologetically me. I am not asking permission from anybody to do it. I paint exactly what I feel like painting and colors I feel like painting and sort of more fearless in a way than I have been in the past with my artwork. So a lot of that bleeds over to my Instagram as well like sort of the content there is just very unapologetic I just do whatever I feel like and (laughs) I I think that's a reason that I think there's a connection there I think that's why my art has developed an audience now because people look at it and I think they feel that sincerity that's in there and there's so much of me in my artwork everything about my personality if you look at my artwork you know me it's it's totally me and and I think that in what ways people relate to that it's very feeling and vibrant and happy and just you know appreciative of life and yeah all of that good stuff and and I'm so fascinated by the world and it's curious Mm. It really is. It really is. It's almost like color has taken a life of its own and started reaching and grabbing Mm -hmm. at the world around it to just get a sense of it. And I love that you describe it as a science experiment because it's almost like you're a mad scientist on these (laughs) pictures. And I love them. Like, I need to do a studio visit at some point because you have these images of just you're standing over a big old canvas and your scale is fascinating too because it's big you you work a lot I mean you have all sorts of sizes of canvases but you have a lot of really large scale paintings that I'm obsessed with again I cannot (laughs) drive this home more but you're like standing over the canvas and there's paint dripping all around and it's It's like the cleanest, most chaotic environment I've ever seen. It's like paint everywhere, and yet it looks so intentional. (laughs) It's just so crazy. Uh, So so you do a really good job of capturing this, the essence of experimentation and this almost like an environment of controlled chaos, which is what the universe is. Mm -hmm. It's an environment of controlled chaos. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So you mentioned how the process has evolved from very little planning to today. How do you plan your pieces or do you? I am very color driven, very color inspired. Um, I take in a lot of the colors every day uh, that I just encounter in my everyday life and apply those to to a painting or I, I see pictures or I see a person wearing a really cool outfit. All of that really inspires me. Recently, I watched 
Blue Planet too, and that blew my mm. mind. So that's probably why you're seeing a lot of blue artwork right now. <laughs> I'm just very inspired by everything I absorb visually throughout the average day. So I think that's kind of where it starts. Beyond that, I just sort of let the control and the chaos work together in whatever harmony they can muster to create a painting that is somewhat in a palette I was envisioning. Mm-hmm. And do you have a sense of the composition of the piece? Because it, it really is, you tend to create a really nice balance. And there are, on, on some pieces, these nice big areas of white you know, paint. And it balances the pieces really well. I, I, so do you plan that out or do you just kind of feel it as it goes? I feel it as it goes. I do. My end goal is to have sort of those basic tenets of abstraction in place in some capacity. So I like to have a place for the eye to rest, so a larger patch of one unobstructed color. And I like to have sections of contrast, and I like there to be a composition that I really enjoy. Uh, I do think about that, but I, I don't necessarily go into it knowing what it's going to look like. So I start with an empty canvas, I pour on puddles of paint, and then I move the canvas around, and I see what happens. And then once I have that first sort of sheet of wet paint down, then I start kind of working into those sections to kind of bring out that balance that I'm really looking for. So it's really organic and intuitive at first. The second sort of step is is really about seeing where that conversation is happening and sort of where the painting is taking me. And then that that last step is really like those tiny details that I want to make sure are in there. So do you have a very specific window that you have to work in before the paint dries? I do. I absolutely do. And that's both the good and bad part of it. That's the exercise right there. It's like, okay, this, however this looks at the end, we're going to be done. Uh, Not to say I don't paint over paintings if I'm not happy with one. I'll just start it again. But you're exactly right. Acrylics dry very quickly. So I have, I typically work on a painting for about three hours. That's super fast. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and then uh, occasionally I will go back in, kind of depending how the composition sort of landed and what I was able to do while the work was wet. I might go back in and sort of add to certain sections if I want to sort of darken up an area, or I can go back in once it's dry. I don't always love doing that because for me it kind of loses some of that initial intention of it being very organic Mm -hmm. and intuitive but yeah sometimes I do go back in and work I love the idea of doing a rapid fire painting and just to put context around it you know some people might be thinking like three hours that's not very rapid fire but in the painting world it is I mean especially on one of our earlier episodes we talked to a figurative painter who does miniature little tiny paintings but they're hyper realistic and they're in oil and he might work on one of those for it's like 30 hours and every little detail and nitpicking it just like you said like working with oils it stays pliable and wet so Mm -hmm. much longer it seems like it could be such a cathartic experience to just kind of push out the self-expression via the canvas, have a limited amount of time so that you can't second-guess yourself for hours and hours and hours, Mm -hmm. and the result is the result. Yeah, exactly. And if it doesn't work, okay, what do I not like about this? I'll try again. Right. It's all about getting back on the horse. So what are the tools that you use? Gosh, not many of them. I put uh, paint into cups. 
with water, I mix it up and I pour it directly on the canvas. So I use my hands a lot to move paint around. Yes, as you mentioned on my Instagram, I am often covered in paint. Anyone that knows me, any of my friends, are very used to going to dinner with me when my arms are purple or there's blue paint on my face. So if, if you know me, that's something you get used to. But I, yeah, I, I also blow a lot. I use air a lot to move the paint around. Um, so sometimes I use a straw. But yeah, I'm always looking to see kind of what things I can do to, to cause these cool reactions in the paint. What has been one of your most successful experiments to date? So I was talking to uh, one of my art friends last night, actually, another really cool local artist named Mike, and he came by my studio and he got talking about uh, the color white also. And I think one of the uh, sort of breakthroughs I had was, so I used uh, primarily one brand of acrylics at first when I started uh, really expensive fluid (laughs) acrylics. And then I was like, okay, this needs to be maybe a more affordable hobby of mine at this particular juncture. So this is just like a few months in, I was spending like my grocery money on paint. (laughs) So I started experimenting with some cheaper brands of uh, acrylic paints and that ended up working really well. But there were certain colors I couldn't do that with just sort of depending on how transparent they were. But I realized that with white, I could almost always go a little bit cheaper or I could try different brands or different types of white paint. And they do very, very different things. But one of my, my real breakthroughs was realizing that I could kind of mix certain colors up in terms of, you know, the brand, etc. And, you know, one brand of white does something totally different to another brand of white. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so on the opposite end of the spectrum, what has been one of your most catastrophic failures of an experiment? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess it's most catastrophic when, I mean, if you saw the floor in my apartment, like, that's not good. That's bad news, Bears. But we're going to fix that. That's going to be fine. Um, Don't tell my landlord. But other than that, I think I've just had, you know, periods of time where nothing is working and no paintings are coming out the way I want them to. And the colors look weird and everything's brown all of a sudden. It doesn't make any sense. But inevitably, I like, you know, do that thing where I get back on the horse and I'm like, okay, this is hard and it's annoying and I'm frustrated, but I have to try again. Sure. Because in the end, I know it's going to feel better. So... That's think, a critical part of the process. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's why I do it. And it's like, yeah, I just want to keep getting that reminder to, to try again. And what about abstract expressionism pulls you in and compels you? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I've always just really gravitated towards it. My favorite painters throughout history are abstract expressionists Mm. and surrealists. I love Dali. I love uh, Franz Klein. All of those really aggressive and bold and really fearless artists that... And imaginative. Yes, exactly. These other realities. Yeah, and I think the thing about abstraction that's always appealed to me is it sort of puts form and color at the forefront. So it can be interpreted in so many different ways by so many different people. And one of my most favorite things about my artwork and in the style in which I paint is that three different people will look at the same painting and they'll all see something totally different in it and they're all relating it back to their own experiences in their life where they grew up the beaches they visited the people they know the animals they love it's all in there and everyone sees something different and I love that abstract expressionism can open up that door of just universal interpretation for so many different people but if you're looking at a picture of 
downtown Atlanta, it's downtown Atlanta. And we love that. And you might have feelings associated with that. But I just crave those conversations that start when someone looks at my painting and says, oh, it looks like the deep sea. One of my friends, who's also a painter, saw one of my paintings a couple weeks ago and wrote me this really beautiful detailed account of how it reminded me very specifically of the place she grew up in in Mexico. And they would visit the beach and It reminded her exactly of when she would jump into the water in that moment when she just sunk below the water and you look around, just that split second before you rise back to the top. I just love that abstract expressionism can facilitate that walk down memory lane or that uh, sort of curiosity about something new. Yeah. Well, to me, your paintings look like talent. They look like beauty. (laughs) They look like curiosity. So thank you for coming on the show and personifying what I see in your paintings. <laughs> I appreciate you. Oh, gosh. The pleasure has been all mine. Thank you. Holy moly. That was such a beautiful conversation. I feel like my head in the clouds. No, my head in the stars. All right, y'all. If you want to see some more of Hannah's work, if you want to check her out on Instagram to see all those beautiful pictures of her being the little mad scientist that she is and evoking the stars in the ocean and anything that you freely interpret based on your background, you can go to hannahandthecosmos.com and you spell that H-A-N-N-A-H. And then you can also go to instagram.com slash hannahandthecosmos. And she also has a Facebook page so you can keep up with her on a few different places. Ah, V, I'm going to have that for you in the show notes for this episode. So don't you worry your pretty little head. You are going to be able to see some photos of her work, get to know her a little bit better, and then find her on all the socials and at her website by going to culturedpodcast.camp. And to catch up on previous episodes, you can go to culturedpodcast.com slash episodes. All of them are there for the taking. And until next time, keep it classy, keep it curious, keep it cultured. I'm Michelle Corey. Sean Powers is our producer. The Cultured Podcast is a production of Zero Mile Media, made with love in Atlanta. You can listen to The Cultured Podcast at culturedpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere else podcasts are found. 